The message today is from Luke 2, 22 to 35. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to... Yeah, 35, sorry. Uh, blessed him and said to, his mo- to mo- Mary, his mother... Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. I'm going to move this a little bit and try to not knock this uh, vase over. Not impressed at all there? Um, so this morning, Luke chapter 2, before we get there, a couple of little things to, to let you know about. Again, this is a, I've said this a few times. Back there on the welcome table are flyers that look like these. We want you to grab a few and read through them. And the, the vision for what this service project, project is is on here. And what the idea is for you guys to take three, four, five, six, and pass them out in your neighborhoods. Um, And then uh, we're going to do, on June the 9th, gather together as a church to collect some things to give to an organization we work with called The Sharing Shed. So before you leave, if you haven't taken some in the last couple weeks, take a few today and pass them out to your neighbors or uh, maybe just your block or or some friends that you're connected with that you want to kind of begin to build some relationship with, maybe serve them. Uh, Grab a few of these and and give them to them. Uh, Also, there is... um, you got a text this morning. If you're connected to the North Church text thread, you got a text this morning uh, talking about this story. If you're not, fill out a connection card and put your cell phone number and you'll get added to the, the text thread that we send out. Uh, connection cards are also there in the back. But there's a, a friend of mine who was a church planter and pastor, uh, a guy named David Comstock, who had a heart attack about three weeks ago. Um, 42-year-old guy, really healthy, uh, had just been to Mumbai and came back. And probably what happened is he caught some sort of virus that, uh, that caused the heart attack. Um, and he was, uh, he's fine now, uh, but he was really near death for, for some time, for a, a couple of days or so. Um, but he's a bivocational guy as well, and his other job is, is labor, and so he's not able to do that other job. Um, and he's also got a $10,000 bill for the hospital that's in front of him. Uh, churches around the area have raised about 6500 to this point, but we're still trying to raise some more. And so um, if you have an opportunity in the next couple of weeks to give, we can collect that money right on the check or in an envelope. There's envelopes also back to the welcome table. Uh, just write 
pastor with a heart attack, right? David Comstock, right? Whatever, and play the offering plate, and we'll give all that stuff to him. Make sense? Um, and so we're also trying to, we've had some problem with our online giving stuff. Um, if we get that fixed, you'll have an opportunity to, to do that online as well. Um, so uh, let's, let's pray and, and dig into the, uh, the message in, from Luke 2 that God has for us. God, thank you so much for Jesus. Um, God, I pray that you would allow us to center around the truth that Jesus is our Messiah. He's our one and only Messiah. And God, I pray that you would convict us where we look in the wrong places for our Messiah when we put undue burden on inadequate Messiahs and wind up hurting ourselves and hurting others and hurting you. Um, Lord, I pray, God, that you would... um, guide us as we study your word here this morning and teach us what it is that you want to say to us. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name. Amen. So I want to go through these verses real quick with you and then uh, bring out a few applications from it um, if we could. So Jesus has been born and he's being presented in the temple uh, as is the custom of the day. And here's what happens. Verse 22, And the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses and brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So the law of Moses is the Old Testament stuff. This is what you did with the firstborn male of, the, of, uh, of a family. Verse 24, And they came to offer a sacrifice according to the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and, a, and two young pigeons. And there was a man whose name was Simeon, This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the Lord, the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it was revealed to him at one point in his life, it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Uh, I want to stop for a second and think about this word, Christ. First of all, there was a promise that God had made to Simeon that before you die, you are going to see the Lord's Christ. So what is the Lord's Christ? Back uh, going through the, the history of, uh, of the Old Testament, the Lord's Christ was a Messiah that had been promised. And so in the Greek, the word is translated as Christ. In the Messiah, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, the word is translated as Messiah. But here are a few things that the Old Testament promises about this Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. He will come and solve the problems of the world. He will come and take away sin He will come to establish a kingdom like their ancestors, their father David's kingdom, which was all power, all authority, all strength, all wisdom, all those things together. God would establish his kingdom to solve problems, to take away sin, to establish kingdoms, to also bring about the blessings of God. So he's the Christ is the one that's going to come and bring about all the blessings. And and for the Old Testament people, what they were hearing was very similar to what you would hear at the bank when someone says, have a blessed day. Like, hope you find $20 on the sidewalk. That's the blessing that they're looking for. Or something really good happened to you today. You're going home and, and you're going to eat some great food. They're going to say, this is a blessing from God. So the Old Testament people were looking for the Christ to come and bring those sort of blessings. Also, that they were, he was going to make true the promises that God had made to all their ancestors. God made promises to Abraham. God made promises to Moses. He made promises to David and to Noah. And the Christ was going to come and fulfill and make good on all of those promises. He was also going to bring comfort to the afflicted and great hope. So that's who the Old Testament was pointing to this Christ to be. And 
Long before, in, when, in Simeon's youth, the, the priest here at this time, God had said, before you die, you'll get to see this Messiah, this Christ. And now, as, as a tiny baby, he, get, he comes in and presents himself as, the, as Jesus, and he recognizes him immediately without any foreknowledge. No one said, this is Jesus, this is the Christ. He just knew it because the Holy Spirit was upon him. So... Here's some interesting stuff I found about this word, Christ. Um, it's the preeminent word in all of the New Testament. It's used. Let, let's let's have a little let's have a little guessing game here. How many times do you think the word Christ appears in Scripture, in the New Testament? Christos. What do you say? Two twenty six. Okay. Let's let's just use two twenty six as a baseline. Who thinks less than two twenty six? Two of you. Who thinks more than 226? More of you. All right? You're right. There's more. What do you think? 227. 227. No. <laughs> 1,000. All right, let's use 1,000 as a baseline. Who thinks less than 1,000? Four or five of you. Who thinks more than 1,000? It's less than. It appears 400 times. 400. That's incredible, right? Here's the other cool thing. It, this word, Christos, appears in every book of the New Testament except 3 John. And 3 John, by the way, has 15 verses in it. The only book of the Bible that doesn't contain the word, the only book of the New Testament doesn't contain the word Christos. Paul wrote 88 chapters Man came after later and separated his, his writings into chapters, but 88 of those chapters, 83 of them contain this word, Christos. That's incredible. Like, to, to really consider the weight of that, that every book in the New Testament but one that has 15 verses in it, and 83 of 88 chapters that Paul wrote contain this word, Christos. It's super, super important, and it's translated as the Christ, the Messiah, and, and inherent within this word, this word is, is pregnant with so much depth to think that all of the promises of the Old Testament, of, of the promises were made to Abraham, to Moses, to Noah, to all of, the, all of the great prophets of old, they culminate in this word, Christ. And all of the stuff that we gather for, all of the purposes that we have as a church, all the purpose that you have as a human being culminate in this word, Christos. It's so massively important. And today we're going to talk about this word, Messiah, Christ, and try to get, come to grips with what that means for us. And in my prayer, and I think in my prayers this week and in my prayers that we're preparing for the sermon today, was that we would understand and repent of the ways where we look to things that aren't messiahs as messiahs. And, and I think every one of us, in some degree, look to something in this world that's created to be our messiah, to fulfill all the promises of God to make us happy, to give us joy, to give us purpose, to give us meaning. We look to something that's not the Messiah to be the Messiah. And when it fails, we get really upset at the thing that's the Messiah, maybe even at God, maybe even at, at our, our generation. 
And we're really good at making and finding inadequate messiahs. Verse 27. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Imagine a priest that you probably know, you may not know, whatever. You come in for, for baby dedication day. And the priest grabs your baby out of your arms and lifts him up and says this, Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Um, Simeon is saying, my whole life is about this moment. When you encounter the Christ, your whole life is about that moment. Here's, here's the other piece. Joe, Joe prayed it in his prayer. Like, we, we look forward, we look back at the Christ, but we also look back to his second coming when he is going to come and make everything right. In Revelation 21, he says, Behold, I'm coming back so that I can make all things new. I'm making all things new. And we long for that promise. We long for the Christ to fulfill that promise, just like the Old Testament. People were looking forward to Jesus coming. We look forward for, to him coming again to fulfill that promise, that he's going to come back to this planet and make all things new. Behold, I'm making all things new. This is a promise that we long for. Do you... One of the things I always like to do with my kids is is every few months or so, ask them what they're looking forward to. Do you guys have something right now that you're like maybe in the next month or two that you're looking forward to? For me, uh, my anniversary is in July. My wife and I are going to fly to Florida and spend a week in Florida, just the two of us. I'm really looking forward to that. Do you guys have something you're looking forward to? Is there something consistent in your life that you're kind of consistently looking forward to? Like, when it happens, you're moving on to the next thing. I'm looking forward to that. Do you guys do that? I'm getting no feedback or little feedback. Yes, thank you, Brett. We do that. And, and I think we do that because in us is this hope, this longing for things to be set right. Um, for Simeon, it was the promise that he was going to get to hold the Messiah. And now he's holding the Messiah in his arms. God is making good on a promise that he made to him years ago. And this is what, like, look around our world and see all that's wrong. And I feel like maybe it's just me, or maybe it's because I'm paying closer attention, or, or maybe it's because I'm, I'm older and, and I think a little bit more. But I, I feel like these days, it's in your face, all that's wrong in this world. Um, violence, racism, all of those things are like very poverty. All those things are very present for us. And there's a longing, there's a looking forward to a day. There's a work that we're doing here on this planet in this time to try and, and make that go away. Verse 30, Simeon speaking, I can leave, I can depart because my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people. Don't miss verse 32. It's really important. Let me read it again. He said, I'm holding your salvation that you have prepared for all the peoples. And then in verse 32, he calls Jesus, this, this infant, this baby, a light 
for revelation for the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. It's really important because the Old Testament people were looking forward to a Messiah for them. Not for everyone. And here is this priest who is a Jewish man from the nation of Israel who would have believed that the promise was only for the nation of Israel. And his words, as he encounters this child that he's been looking for his entire life, this presence of God, this salvation, this Messiah, this Christ, he says, before he says it's for your people, Israel, he says it's a light of revelation to the Gentiles. And that means those that are outside. You guys, this Christ that's 400 times in the New Testament and is in 83 of 88 chapters that Paul writes and is in every book but 1 John in the New Testament, this Christ is for everyone. Um, This is good news for whoever, wherever, or whatever you think of yourself. The Messiah, this salvation, is hero for you. Verse 33, and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Imagine that. Mary and Joseph coming to Simeon and Simeon saying, this is the salvation for all the world. And they marveled at what was said to him. And Simeon blessed them, saying to Mary his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Don't miss that. This is like, this is a happy moment. This is really great. He's just said, this is all of the hope, all the promises that God has made for all generations culminates in this infant. Mary and Joseph, be really happy because you get to raise the culmination of all the promises of God. And it's really happy and really smiling time. And, and they dressed him up in his perfect white clothes and, and everything was perfect. And everybody was smiling. They were planning their brunch afterwards. And Simeon says... I'm, I'm joking there. Nobody caught that. Um, I appreciate the... Anyway, verse 34. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many Israel. The promises of God... Hear me, this is important. The promises of God come along with them, rise and fall. That's hard because we want to see rainbows and, and, and puppy dogs and joy and happy and nothing but shiny, smiley, happy people. But the promised Messiah is appointed to bring joy and pain into a world. And look what he says in verse 35. He turns to Mary specifically. And says this, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Because she has been elected and chosen to be the one who who brings Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, into this world, a sword is going to pierce through her own soul as well, comma, so that the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. Um this has me thinking a lot about lament this week. Um, 
and I've studied a lot about lament in the last couple of years. And again, this week, I heard this definition this week. Lament is the place where pain and the promises of God meet. When you say, when you hear that again, lament is the place where pain and the promises of God meet. And God calls us to lament. Here in our story, Simeon has been promised to see the Christ, and he says that it's going to that this Christ has been appointed to bring pain and joy to this world. And then he turns to the mother of this Christ, this Messiah, and says, a sword is going to pierce your soul as well. There's going to be great pain in your life because of this promise. Lament is the place where pain and promises of God meet. This hurts, but I know that God is here to work it out. There is deep conflict here. When something awful and terrible happens to cause great pain, lament happens. When you take your complaint to the Lord and seek to understand or ask him why to guide you through. Andrew Peterson, an, uh, a singer and songwriter who's really great. Look him up. He's incredible. He wrote this in one of his songs called Always Good. He said, the heart, this heartbreak is bringing me closer than joy ever could. That's lament. When we encounter pain in this world and we juxtapose it against the promises that God has made. That's where lament happens. And God intends for us to lament. When we see stuff in this world that's just not right, it doesn't match with the promises of God. First of all, I would say, yes, it does match with the promises of God. Because God's not promising that this world is going to be perfect. He's promising that he's going to protect you in the midst of the imperfections in this world. And this week is a perfect example. The violence that happened this week. Like it, it makes me angry, makes me frustrated. And then to, to read social media afterwards makes me even more angry and frustrated. But lament is in the middle of that when you say, God, I hate this. Or maybe even, God, I'm really mad at you because of this. And you pour your complaint out to him, and then you ask him to make good on his promises and help us to understand, or help us to have faith that we don't have to understand. Lament is massive here. So I want to apply this idea that this is the Christ, this is the Messiah, to three quick little application points. Um, the first and foremost is we are all looking for a Messiah. Every one of us, all the time, are looking for a Messiah. But we tend to look in the wrong places for Messiahs. We tend to put undue pressure on inadequate Messiahs. And we wind up hurting ourselves and hurting the inadequate Messiahs. I want to tell you a story. This week, um, I, I don't remember the, the dates in particular, but there was... Uh, it's an evening, I think it was maybe Monday or Tuesday night, and the next morning I have a, a, a meeting, a conversation with somebody who's going to be really hard, and uh, I'm not looking forward to it at all, and it's, it's really kind of like it's got all my attention in this evening. I'm hanging out with my wife um, and my kids, and I got a hard meeting tomorrow, and I don't want to deal with it, and it's really making me frustrated. Um, and I'm talking to my wife about it. It's now, I don't know, kids are in bed at this point, and, and talking to, to Jen about it, and 
uh, I'm like, when, when I have something hard to do, my, my reaction typically is to slump my shoulders and get whiny and pouty about it. And that's where I was. And um, I, I started talking to my wife because I wanted her to pat me on the back, make me a cookie, and say it's going to be okay. And what she did was, what's wrong with you? Like, it's, it's just a, it's just a, it's going to be over in 30 minutes. Big deal. Suck it up. And I'm sitting on the sofa, and I'm now mad. What do you mean, what's wrong with me? And now we're fighting. We're yelling at each other. It's not a good place. We're angry. Because, and, and only because, I looked to Jen in that moment as my Messiah. You are going to save me from this pain that I have to feel and deal with tomorrow. You're going to save me from that pain tonight. And I'm going to put the pressure on you to do it exactly right. And not just exactly right, but exactly the way that I want you to do it. I'm going to put this burden on you. And my reaction was like 30, 45 minutes of like, you are really bad at being a wife tonight. And her reaction was, no, you are really bad at being a husband tonight. And we were at each other. And then like, it's, I've already done a lot of the work thinking about Christos and Messiah and all of that. And I'm sitting there. And I hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me, and I'm really good at saying, shut up. I want to be mad at this inadequate Messiah right now. And I was. And, and I tell that story, first of all, with trepidation, because I don't want you to go someplace in your mind about what our marriage is or what it's supposed to be, but instead I wanted you to see the reality of the fact that, that these are two human beings who are trying to figure out how to be married to each other and keep from idolizing one another and keep from thinking the others are Messiah. I want you to know that about our marriage. But, but more than that, I want you to see what happens, the propensity that you and I both have to look to things to be our Messiah. So the thing that I've been praying for the most is that we would learn to repent of this incessant need that we have to create messiahs in our world. I want you to, to see that and I want you to learn to, to repent quickly when you see something or someone as your messiah because it's, it's an undue pressure and it's an undue burden and you By nature of being a human being, you create messiahs. And everyone but Christ is inadequate. The second piece, um, when we do this, we are... um, Hold on a second. Let me me go back. Um, Blank. This is in your bulletin, by the way. Grab your bulletin if you have it. Um... The Messiah is help in times of trouble, a promise in time of need, hope for the future, hope in enduring present circumstances, the giving joy and purpose. When we look to Messiah, we say blank is not right. So I will look to and pledge my allegiance to a Messiah who will make it right. Look at this. 
school shootings, gun control, racism, sexuality, the education system, poverty, hunger, greed, abortions, refugees, war, abuse, corrupt power structures, disease. All of these things are massive problems in our society, and we can put them in that blank. School shootings are not right. Gun control is not right. Racism is not right. Sexuality is not right. The education system, poverty, is all these things are just not right. And we want to look to someone to solve these problems for us. And we lament that these problems exist and we search for answers. We search for solutions. And God calls us to look and to, and to be solutions to these problems. But... God does not call us to be the Messiah to these problems. And God does not call us to put undue pressure on human beings to be the Messiah to those problems. There is no human being who can solve the problem of racism. Christ is the only one. There is no human being who can solve the problem of poverty. Christ is the only one. He has appointed us as his messengers to go and speak into those things and try to bring righteousness to this planet. But we and you and human beings are not Messiahs. The second point, the, the practical application I want to make here is uh, hit hit that next slide, Rebecca. Is we're all looking for a Messiah. We look to politicians to be our Messiah. We look to sports heroes to be our Messiahs. We look to our children to be our Messiahs. Um, we look to our spouses. I just confess to you that I looked to my spouse to be a Messiah this week. Um, and, and here's the one that's a little bit... Uh, I don't really like to do this because I'm going to start picking on you a little bit instead of picking on me. But we look to our pastors as our Messiahs. Um, please, please don't cast that burden on me because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fail you and I have failed you and there are, there are people that aren't, don't go to this church anymore because I'm a bad Messiah. There are people who are thinking about not going to this church anymore because I'm a bad Messiah. I'm, I, I'm sorry. Um, don't put that weight on me and don't, don't carry that weight yourself. We also put an undue burden on churches to be our messiahs. A lot of you are here because another church failed at being a messiah to you. And guess what? We're going to do the same thing. We're not, you know, we're not that great. But I hope that we are a place full of frail, failed people that that point attention to the perfect Messiah. And this is the, the last one I want to say, the Messiahs that we look to tomorrow. We look to tomorrow as our Messiah or next week. Like at some point, things are going to be better. I can feel it. I can just feel it. There, all those problems that we talked about before, violence, abuse, corrupt power structures, those are problems that have been forever. And there is no Messiah to fix those problems in our world. But there is a Messiah who's come to make promises to you that he will one day make it right. Second point, only Jesus can bear the weight 
of your need for a Messiah. <clears throat> um, these are sitting here. I want to show you these. Uh, so this one that's dead and dying here uh, was purchased by my wife uh, last week, and they died really quickly. And I bought these uh, this morning. And this is beautiful. A rose is beautiful. A rose um, culturally presents or represents beauty, right? When you think of beauty, one of your first things your mind goes to is, is a rose. And there's so many petals here and there. The way that they, they open and close throughout the day, it's just beautiful. And a rose is beautiful. And we look to a rose to bring us beauty. A lot of times when I mess up or when I just, I'm at the grocery store and, and I want to tell my wife that I love her, I, I buy a, 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 a bouquet of, of flowers and I bring them home to her because I want her to see that she's important to me. I want her to see that, that I see her as, as beautiful. I want her to be, to be happy. I want to do these things for her. And so I buy her things like flowers. Um, but there's one on either response timetable and there's one in front of you to show that the things of this world that we look to they're all inadequate and they're all going to, there's, there's no beauty that's present in this world that's going to last. There's no Messiah that you're assigning salvation to that's going to last. It's all going to die. They're all going to die. And today, when you get, at, during response time, you're going to get to come up here and partake of communion on a table. And, and I hope that this illustration kind of speaks to you. We put pressure on the created to be our Messiah and wind up breaking them or they wind up breaking us or breaking relationship that we have because a human Messiah cannot bear the weight of being a Messiah. And the likelihood is that you have broken relationships in your life because you or they put undue pressure to be a Messiah, to be perfect, and they can't sustain the weight. The last piece, the last practical application here is for us to surrender to Jesus as our Messiah. Tim Keller says, Jesus is the only Savior in the world who, if you gain him, will satisfy you, and if you fail him, will forgive you. He's the only Savior the only Messiah who will satisfy you completely and when you fail him, he will forgive you. Paul writes this about the Messiah. To live is Christ. He says, I resolve to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. And he said, everything is worthless compared to the infinite value of Christ. This is the Messiah in front of you, and the call for us is to stop putting pressure on the created to be our Messiahs, and instead put it all onto Jesus. He can handle it. He is the real, the true Messiah. Let's pray. God, I pray, Lord, I, I pray that you would do two things for us in these moments of response. I pray that you would first show us that you are the Messiah and you would teach us 
that you are the Messiah and you would allow us to lament well, understanding that you are the Messiah. When we see there's brokenness and pain and things that aren't right in this world, we would see that and engage with that, Father, but we would not be in despair because of you and what you've done. And we would understand and be ministered to by your promises in those times. God, teach us that you are the Messiah, Father, but but then I pray you would also convict us and remind us and make us aware of places in our lives where we have and where we consistently look to things and people as our Messiah, as our Christ. And God, would you rip that away from us? Because they fail us, because they can't come through in their promises. Lord, teach us what it is to call you Christ, to call you Messiah. Lord, God, I pray that we would not force people to carry that burden. God, I confess to you and to these people that I look to this church as my Messiah. And when people leave or when not enough people show up, my heart gets broken because this place is a bad Messiah. God, but may I trust you that you are, you are in control and you are the Christ and you are exactly what we need, exactly when we need it, Father, and we trust in you alone in that. God, Cause us to repent where we make the created our Messiah. And then give us relationship with you because you're good. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his perfect name that I pray. Amen.